Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Elizabeth Lesser, a best-selling author and the co-founder of Omega Institute, the renowned conference and retreat center located in Rhinebeck, New York. Elizabeth joins us now to discuss her latest book, Cassandra Speaks, When Women Are the Storytellers, the Human Story Changes. Elizabeth Lesser, good morning and thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I am so grateful because I feel that uh, all your work that you've done throughout your lifetime, your your searching and your discoveries and the way that you share them. I was listening to you on your TEDx talks, which I I, I love those talks in general, and yours were were certainly inspiring and and I give us such a great sense and encouragement. So thank you first for for doing those talks. You're welcome. Thanks for for watching them. They uh, they really did give me a, a great deal of insight. But then your books, and there are numerous ones, and I think they just follow along in that same vein of of your your searching th- throughout life and the discoveries, and being able to convey this in such a. Um, gentle, inspiring, encouraging way. You have a wonderful nature about you. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Again, you're welcome. (laughs) So you just now have come out with a new book. I guess, well, who knows with this COVID time, it's kind of a bit fluid time. But I think in the fall is when uh, Cassandra Speaks came out initially, right? That's right, and I love how you say COVID time, fluid time. I I can't tell. Was the fall a couple of weeks ago? Was it a year ago? Is it now? Yes. <laughs> it's just such, so it's really like um, changed my relationship to time, and maybe that's not such a bad thing. Indeed. Uh, you know, I, that's part, I think, of what this whole experience is. If if we have that, I'm going to say in quotes, luxury of being able to kind of stand back and observe it, that um, we have this gift of time. Saying that it's not true for everyone when they're on the front lines like our our essential workers are, you know, in, in health care and in food provisions and that sort of thing. Uh, they perhaps don't have the same, but but the opportunity still is there for all of us to see how we experience this time. Yeah, I, I, um, I didn't even mean like the luxury of taking time off and being, you know, like a like life at a spa or something, I meant more like uh, just just everything's so topsy-turvy, everything. And, and, you know, I think in a lot of my books I've written about this, I know we're getting off track here, but, you know, when everything is topsy-turvy, whether you're on the front line or lonely, isolated in your home, it, it, it is a chance just to look and question, like, what the heck is is reality here and how how can i um in every moment show up a hundred percent and and bring a little light into the world yes absolutely i i think i was kind of in that same vein meaning thinking mm-hmm. of the luxury of in in a qualified way of um 
a, being an observer rather right. than letting it just be grasping us and tossing us around uh, every which way. That's a beautiful uh, way of saying it. Yeah, I think we both mean the same thing. <laughs> so isn't that great? Maybe that comes to where this your newest book, Cassandra Speaks, uh, really touches into is being able to communicate and listen to each other and and just discuss it without um, really having to become obstinate or digging in our heels. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, the book is about um, how storytelling uh, is what defines our culture, you know, like, for example, I go into the book, a lot of stories about the old stories in the Bible, the old Greek myths that talk about women being a certain way, men being a certain way. But if you recognize that they're just stories that some people told, and as you said previously, take an observer, an observer stance and look at what are women really about and what are men really about and how much of these old stories that are just made up ideas how much have they contributed to the way each one of us still today uh, are in relationship with each other are in power uh, are who we are at work who we are at home who parents who stays home like how have these old stories sold us a bill of goods, and now we can write new stories and, and define who each one of us is more in a more current and a more unified way. So what was the process of leading to Cassandra Speaks uh, over the course of time and and you know, with other authors I've spoken to, it's been interesting that the books come out at the right time without that idea that this was the perfect time. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) was this at all for yourself the case? Yes. I I mean, I would never, well, first of all, who could have predicted what the Mm. last couple of years have been like on, so, you know, people are talking about the multiple pandemics that have been raging in the world, whether it's COVID or what's happened in, in different cultures around race or, wildfires or climate change and economics like we seem to be just in a time and one of those things we're in is this the what happened with the me too movement and women in leadership it's been so interesting to note how um the countries that have dealt the best with the pandemic with covid19 have been led by women I don't know if you looked into any of that research. Like, there's five countries that have had the least infections and the least deaths from infections, and each one is led by a woman. So, there, so no, I wasn't thinking when I started to write a book about, huh, I want to look back at the myths and stories and parables and religious tales that have told us what does it mean to be a man, what does it mean to be a woman, and noting that most of the stories over millennia have been conceived of, told by, written by men, and and kind of struck me that stories written by men are really about men and have left out the voice of women. Not that the male voice is wrong or bad, but it leaves out the experience 
and the value systems that may um, be different from women's. Some are the same, some are different. And I just decided to go back and look into those old stories, also stories about what does it mean to be a leader, to be a hero, to deal with power. I wasn't thinking, I'm going to write it now because because in four years when I'm done writing it, and then one year later when it's published, it takes a long time to write a book. It's going to be in the height of, of a pandemic and of, of the Me Too movement and things like that. So uh, I think what happens is that there's these waves, you know, way out in the ocean, like, you know, how like tsunamis are like out in the ocean weeks before they actually come onto shore, like, and, and somehow a whole bunch of people note that there's a wave out there, even without knowing you're noting it. And like, I'm going to ride that wave onto the shore. And that's what I feel like with each of the books I've written. I've caught a wave, not because I'm some sort of psychic or, or anything. It's more just like I've felt it coming in my writerly bones, and I've started dabbling in it and swimming in it and catching it and then washing up on the shore and look around and like, oh, my God, there's like 10 other books coming out the exact same week about the same subject. Mm. It is a, it is fascinating. It is. And actually, there's uh, something that is so beautiful about that. It implies to me an intuition, just tapping into this energy that we live in and just noting it, not having it necessarily at, at all hit you over the head kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I think if one disregards it, that could ultimately happen. Mm-hmm. But just to catch that wave, that's a, a beautiful metaphor, to catch the wave, just be a, aware, and then we're kind of just moving with the with the flow of the universe. Yeah, I don't want to oversell the idea that it's just like a fun four years swimming around in a beautiful Caribbean ocean or anything, <laughs> because some of it is, and I, I know all artists or entrepreneurs or anyone who creates anything would say the same thing. A lot of it is just sitting on in your chair, even though all you want to do is get up and do anything, even clean a closet. But this this discipline to just like, okay, I'm going to stay and stay open and write, even if everything I write today is crap and I throw it out. Um, so it's a combination of that that beautiful muse-like in, intuition, as you called it, and just keeping your butt in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Actually, you know, as you describe that, and I think that 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 is true for, for life. It's not all just this lovely bed of roses. There there are going to be the challenges. And, and I think when we look back, those challenges are sometimes the most wonderful part of what we've been through. I, I so agree. If you if you say that to me or anyone else in the midst of the horrible challenges, <laughs> You get your head bit off because it's not really fun. But afterwards, looking back, I'm like, it's just sense. Uh, I mean, anyone who's done anything feels like this, whether it's taking up running or just raising your kids or going to work. It's just this sense of like, I did that. I did it. I stuck it out, and I did it. It's it's a wonderful feeling. 
And I'm going to take a tangent here related to your work because I uh, this is something that I found in your TEDx talk uh, about your experience of being a bone marrow donor with your sister, and you wrote the book Marrow. And in that, you 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 said essentially the same thing that the hardest time of her life, she reflected on as being the best one of her life. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yes, I, I wrote a book about my experience of of um, not just only being my sister's bone marrow uh, donor. We we did a bone marrow transplant, and at one point we also called it our soul marrow transplant because we decided, um, hey, let's give this medical procedure every bit of help we can give it. Um, when I discovered that there was a chance that once my my bone marrow got into her body, she might uh, reject it, or my cells might attack her. It's called reject or attack. We thought, well, let's see, let's clean up our relationship all the way back to when we were little girls. Any tendency we have to reject or attack each other, since siblings are famous for doing that, and we were no different. So we did a lot of um, therapy and talking and trying to really like um, get to a place where we were absolutely clean and in love with each other as sisters. And we did that and created this space for her to receive my bone marrow. And she lived a full, amazing year after that with my my marrow coursing in her bloodstream and um, she did call that the best year of her life, even though it was a terribly hard year. And um, I tried to capture that that experience in the book and in the TED Talk um, of of not... I, I hoped the book would be something like, you don't have to wait until your sister, your husband, your wife, your child, your friend is dying you don't have to go through a bone marrow transplant to clean up relationships, to say, can we um, really be honest with each other now, ask for a, amends, apologize, accept apologies, and just move on. Just, just like come into the light together because life is so short and, and try to make relationships um, just really be free of, of the burdens we all carry around, the judgments, the misinterpretations of he said, she said, and even do it at work with colleagues, you know, interrupt a meeting and say, wait a minute, did what you just said, did I hear it correct? Did you mean this? Instead of creating these stories with each other, like, I can't believe he said that, and then for months creating a story that really wasn't even real. Yes, absolutely. And I think we've been living in a time where on various different levels and spaces, that's been going on. And so that reflects to us now in our lives. It reflects back to your new book, Cassandra Speaks, that here to to be just more present and questioning and wanting to communicate. Mm. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's a beautiful way to 
to talk about this new book because on on one level it's a it's a feminist book in that it's talking about the missing voices of women in the culture and the way women are voices in millennia of being suppressed or or mistrusted we mistrust our own voices now so on one level it's a book for and about women but on another level as you i really appreciate you indicating here um it's about all of us it's about every interrupting every story that doesn't represent big groups of people adequately or correctly i mean we see it going on with the black lives matter movement really what that is is interrupting the story of white supremacy you know it's saying wait a second for so many years in this country we've we have um considered a huge group of people who are all different and valid and as as like inferior to this other group of people can we interrupt that story move on and tell a new story a story of diversity and equality and and for the sake of all like liberate all of us so that all the voices are respected and can contribute to society and that's what cassandra speaks is about in terms of women and it's divided into these three parts where in the first part you as you mentioned you take us through some of these stories over the millennia and then in part 2 looking at the story of power and encouraging women but here too and then into the third part it does show that we do have this masculine and feminine side so that both as men and women we can embrace this to to be a greater whole yeah um men have suffered as much as women from the way we have defined what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman <clears throat> you know i often think about how little girls are told still you can be anything a boy can be and that makes a little girl feel good like yeah i can do that too all boys do i can do but we never tell the little boys you can do anything a girl can do that 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 would stop a parent and a child in their tracks and go a little boy can do anything a girl can do what do you mean i don't want to do what a girl can do because we have a value system that puts um some of the things that women are naturally really good at and by naturally i mean yes some of it's hormonal and some of it is just because women were only allowed to do those things things like caretaking things like listening deeply to the other things like um you know there there there's these research has been done in ever since 2007 when when a researcher at UCLA looked at the old research about um fight or flight you know how we've believed for a long time that under stress all humans either fight or flight well this woman Shelley Taylor at UCLA realized oh my goodness 
all those studies done in the 1940s and 50s were done only on men, because those were the only people brought into labs back then. So then they measured the hormone, hormonal and, and chemical response in men to different stressful situations. And under stress, yes, the male uh, people in the study either showed in their blood they, a fight instinct or a flight instinct. But when she brought women in to do the same studies, she found that was not what the response was. The response was what she called tend or befriend. So a female response, this is just measuring hormone and blood levels, was under stress, the tendency was to want to create circles of belonging to protect the most vulnerable, tend and befriend. So I am interested in women going into powerful situations, not just to duplicate how power's been done all these years, but to bring the best of who we are, this tend and befriend instinct, into the power realm to balance out the fight or flight so that there's all sorts of ways of, of um, leading people through stressful situations. And that's what we've seen some of these women leaders uh, from New Zealand and um, Germany and other countries right now dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic bringing more of that tend and befriend power into decision-making. Not that all, all the time, but at least half the time, we don't have to fight or flee. We contend and befriend. Which is so beautiful, and it feels so right, and helps us to move more in a way, more easily, more gently into a better place. And Elizabeth, as you were mentioning, then the, these women leaders in the world and how they have led through the pandemic. And I, I, I had thought New Zealand, I had thought Germany. Who are the other three? I think it's Finland, um, Taiwan, and another Scandinavian country. Okay. Um, well, that's yeah. the, that's our homework. We can figure go and search yeah. that out. I, I know it's Finland and Taiwan and one other. Okay, so <laughs> and and that is is so incredible. You know, it's great to look at that actually happening. So it's not just theoretical and wow, this sounds like a great idea. In practice, it's just naturally been there. Maybe it's that, again, that intuition coming forth. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, it's not an easy fix. It's not just let the women take over and everything will be fine. It's, it's as everything, it's going to be two steps forward, one back. Not all women leaders are like that. Many men, male leaders are, are tend and befriend kind of people. It's really, hopefully at some point, it's not even about women and men. It's about human qualities um, being respected equally, giving clout and musculature to cooperation and listening. I call it 
the first first responders. Like there's the first responders that we we worship and put on statues, you know, soldiers, policemen, firemen. Yeah, we need these people. But the first first responders are people like kindergarten teachers who are teaching little children how to communicate with each other, how to tend and befriend along with fight and flight, or nurses who are caring for people, or any of the professions, social workers, um, home health aides, hospice workers. I would like to see them and the things they bring to the world respected, validated, statues made of, seen as heroes, called heroes, because if all we call heroes are the warriors, we will keep getting war. But if we apply hero status to the caregivers, we'll get more of that. Yes, absolutely. And this is, I'm glad that you mentioned, uh, in particular, the kindergarten teachers, you know, starting at that very young age, of course, with the parents, even before that, with their... Absolutely. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, as Gloria Steinem always says, um, there won't be equality in the world until there's equality in the home. And what she means by that when she goes deeper is that mothering and fathering, there's such an opportunity now for us to change things at the root by fathers, and I'm seeing this, I have three sons who are all fathers, and they are the most amazing hands-on fathers now, hearts-on fathers, like nurturing and caring for their children in ways that... um, to me, is so hopeful and so new and so influential, showing their children that fathers can nurture and care as as mothers. You know, for the past 100-plus years here in our Western culture, women have been proving, hey, we can go out into the workplace too. We can bring in money. And now it has to be seen, I feel, on the male side, just as a sense of pride. Hey, I can help run this house, raise these children, clean this house, cook this food just as well as you can, so that all the roles are equally lauded and paid for and valued. That's what's going to change things to me more than women just getting their foot in the power door. It's when um, all the roles are no longer ranked one better than the other, but seen as part of the whole. That we really work in partnership. Yeah. Right. We do. And, And some people do one thing better than the other. Not We don't all have to become totally balanced in what we do, and some relationships will, let's say, will say, no, I, I, I want to stay home and raise the kids. You go out and make the money. But we don't see one as more important than the other. Yes, yes, abs- absolutely. And this is what I feel in 
Cassandra Speaks, we have that opportunity to really delve into it. And then following that, as we mentioned, your book, Maro, there's The Seeker's Guide, which has been given great glowing reports and uh, broken open. Uh, Just such a wealth of information, self-awareness and growth that is critical for us now more than ever, maybe, but always has been important. So the books, of course, and Cassandra Speaks, we were saying, just came out this fall. So um, all available from our favorite book sources, correct, Elizabeth? That's right. Um, This has been such a great time to support local bookstores because they've all pivoted really quickly to the online space. And you may not know it, but you can just as easily as getting something from Amazon, you can get it from your local bookstore sent to you or use the big guys if you like. And to learn more about you and your work and get to those TED Talks I've mentioned, uh, your website is? It is Elizabeth Lesser, one word, uh, .org, O-R-G, ElizabethLesser.org. Yes. So we could go on speaking about so much important and invaluable information, and yet... It's time for us to have to wrap up. So I just want to say how grateful I am to you, Elizabeth, for not just taking time with us this morning, but for uh, for your passion and dedication to self-awareness uh, and growth and then desiring to share it with us. Well, thank you. And thank you for leading the conversation in such a fluid way. We just danced around so much. That was great. Thank you. We danced. That's right. See, wasn't that lovely? (laughs) Well, again, many thanks, Elizabeth. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Elizabeth Lesser and Sunday Morning Magazine with Jackie Medill and Camus Ubelocker. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you would like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Click on the podcast tab and Sunday mornings and look for either of the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of living your leadership and modeling it each day. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.